it's that time again. I'm glad to be here for episode nine of Near Perfect Pitch. And uh, it's a scorcher out there today. I'm recording this on a Sunday, the last Sunday of, uh, of uh, the month. And it is uh, about 31 out there, gorgeous. And I think in the studio, uh, give it a few more minutes until uh, all the equipment warms up, but I'd be pushing about 40 degrees Celsius in here. I'm going to start coming here in uh, some terry cloth and some uh, some flip flops uh, if it's going to it's going to keep on like this. The AC doesn't seem to be kicking into too well, so uh, if you hear the odd slurp, that's me and my water bottle. Uh, thanks for joining me. I want to share with you actually before I get into uh, the nitty gritty this week. Um, the podcast has been added to a litany of uh, new sites, so you can. Find the podcast, spread the word about the podcast uh, through a diff- different means. So, so iTunes is obvious. Um, we reside on Podbean. Uh, we're also available on Google Play, Blurberry, Stitcher, and even TuneIn, even TuneIn Radio. So uh, the podcast has been uh, uploaded and will continue to be available through all of these sites. And I want to remind you also of all the social media uh, that you can uh, be in touch with, follow, like, etc., etc. Email. If you want to have a little chit-chat or request something or, or talk about something in particular, nearperfectpitch at gmail.com. Twitter is nearperfpitch. Snapchat, as of this week, nearperfpitch. Instagram, nearperfectpitch. Facebook, nearperfectpitch is the page. Tumblr, nearperfectpitch is the mini blog. And vimeo.com slash nearperfectpitch is where the odd video will reside. My goodness me, that's a lot to contend with. Soccer. You may be wondering what this sport is all about. Well, at no expense spared and speaking in a phony mid-Atlantic drawl, all the way from Liverpool, England, here's the farm's in-depth analysis of what soccer is. Because don't forget, America is hosting the 1994 World Cup. It all started in England in the dark and distant past. For hundreds of years, the English kicked and chased large balls around plague-ridden towns and cities for no apparent reason. In the Middle Ages, these street battles led several kings and queens to ban the game due to the wild revelry and insurrection it caused. So you'd be forgiven for thinking that the English, having had hundreds of years start on the rest of the world, would be favourites for this year's World Cup. Nothing could be further from the truth. They're absolutely abysmal and laughably haven't even qualified for the finals. It's a national pastime for the English to be humiliated at the games they originated and is affectionately known as post-Empire Trauma Syndrome. But every cliché has a silver lining, and the authorities are celebrating the fact that they don't have to control the infamous English hooligans. These people see themselves as latter-day conquistadors, rioting at every available opportunity. They have the social graces of a horde of Vikings and the cultural tolerance level of Genghis Khan. But what about the other spectators? For the Brazilians see soccer matches an extension of the Rio Carnival. The Irish will also adopt national stereotypes and drink whole towns dry, whereas the Italians will be cool, well-dressed, and hoping to get laid while reciting dialogue from mean streets. So if you think this sounds like a whole lot of fun, well it is. Most people recognize soccer, like American football, is actually an extension of the male phallus. Near perfect pitch. It's the only show that can make you feel like this. Tell me, Pirino 
Stranglers, that's Duchess, and uh, you know I, I don't even know what year that song because I brought it. Uh, I bought the compilation version of that, and uh, I've got no point of reference. I'm just trying to remember when that might have been. Seventy-nine, maybe. I don't even know. It's not important, really, is it? You know, everybody knows that song, but it's worth a play. Um, before that, we heard something uh, rather cool from 1986 on 4AD Records. That was uh, Colorbox, and uh, their 12-inch version of the Colourbox World Cup theme, which is better than any World Cup theme I've ever heard. Uh, And, uh, yeah, 12-inch version, all the extra beats there for you. And um, wanted to tell you what came before that, which was even cooler yet, if that's at all possible. That was uh, The Farm. That's uh, uh, Peter Hooten uh, explaining to America the the nuances of the game that is football uh, and uh, talking about USA 94. Uh, when the States hosted uh, the tournament uh, Sons England. Anyway, I thought that was a lot of fun, and that's, that's, a, that's a rare one, that one. That is, uh, it's an uh, extra track on a promo of the Comfort single uh, from 1994 on Sire Records. I'm not even sure how I got my hands on this, to be honest, but I'm glad that I did. Uh, and uh, we did hear uh, some, some lunacy there from uh, an Icelandic commentator called uh, Gudmundur Benediktsson, who has since lost his job as assistant manager of KR Reykjavik uh, after he lost his, uh, lost his mind uh, on air uh, when uh, Iceland broke away and uh, scored the winner uh, against Austria. And I think it's just one of the most fun moments in sport. That I can that I can remember, absolute bedlam, fantastic scenes, and uh, as as a lot of you well know, the population of Iceland is about to the best part of three hundred thirty five thousand, uh, and uh, effectively ten percent of their entire population is in Paris, uh, following the team, and more to the point as well, uh, England are going to be playing Iceland, uh, and uh, if England win, 
<laughs> of course, with England, it's always an if. Um, I'll, I'll be sad to see them go because the sentiment and the spirit and uh, uh, the unequivocal uh, unity that that, uh, that uh, fan base is bringing along with, along with the, the reckless abandon that the team are playing with. Fantastic to watch. Really, really good stuff. Um, I can tell you what you're going to be hearing forthcoming. We're going to hear some, uh, hear some new releases. Uh, specifically, there's a new Jake Bug like him or loathe him. Uh, I promised to be playing something from the new Death in Vegas, which I uh, uh, well went out and bought it, because uh, I think if you remember on the last programme, I uh, was unaware that they had a new record out uh, and was just surfing around during the show. Saw that they did. Anyway, we're going to hear a transmission from uh, from the latest record and uh, hear, the, hear a new song from uh, Turing Breaks as well, which... Uh, I don't know, I was unaware of again last week. Just, it's just so hard to keep track, isn't it, really? Uh, I'm hoping that I can be the catalyst to helping you keep track, so I'll go through all the all the spade work to allow you uh, and afford you the luxury to be able to uh, spend less time trawling to find decent tunes. Uh, in the spirit of Iceland... Sugar Cubes from 1988's Life's Too Good on One Little Indian Records. Always good to hear some Sugar Cubes. Always good to hear a bit of Bjork. Always good to hear Einar Orn losing his mind and playing his trumpet. And that's not an, uh, a euphemism, by the way. Um, remember that? Uh, well, the first time I saw him, uh, Mary Chain was supporting him. It was somewhere in London. I can't remember where it was. And I was working at uh, 
a really, really bad job at the time. Uh, I was working at R Price Records under the leadership of some megalomaniac ginger nutter that all, that all he wanted to play was Jerry Dammers. That's all he wanted to play, day in, day out. Uh, anyway, that's uh, my point of reference for, for the record, for the release. Uh, uh, prior to Sugar Cubes, uh, the, the, the major proponents of the band uh, were in a band called Kukl, uh, K-U-K-L, and had a couple of albums um, prior to the genesis of uh, the Sugar Cubes. So I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. And uh, I'm remiss because I've been telling you all the, all the tunes and such like that you're going to be, uh, you're going to be hearing. But this week, uh, a great interview. Uh, and, and by interview, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bigging myself up. It really is um, the likes of, of, uh, of Simon Mason, who is, um, well want of a better expression. He's just filling in all the gaps. Uh, Simon's a very, very interesting man. Um, he is uh, well known in the music industry for having um, been a supplier of certain goods to certain people for a long, long time. Uh, but he is a, he's a performer. He's an author. He's a musician. He's a raconteur. He's got a, a, a mini tour uh, that he's, uh, he's got on the road right now, which is very, very interesting. Uh, and it alludes to an awful lot of what's been happening uh, in his life. Uh, and uh, he's also got a new project called the Hightown Pirates. Lots to talk about. I'll be talking more about Simon uh, before Simon uh, kicks in uh, with uh, the interview in its entirety towards the end of the program. So um, very, very happy to have uh, Simon coming up next week. Uh, also delighted uh, in a similar capacity to have an, another another great guest interviewee in, in Dean Garcia, uh, who's uh, best known for uh, being half of what uh, was Curve, uh, and uh, you will hear next week, by virtue of the chit-chat that we have, trying to nail down uh, a certain Mr. Dean Garcia in terms of his musical output, under what guise he is releasing records, where you can uh, purchase said records. Uh, you've got to be a, a glorified detective to, to, try and, uh, to try and whittle that down and to, and to find his stuff, but uh, I'll do a good job in conjunction with Dean next week to... Uh, to open the door to a lot of uh, post-curve material that hasn't really been publicised, uh, certainly not, not not as much as it should be, and certainly I'm sure uh, as much as Dean would have liked. Uh, doing fantastic work and, and doing a lot of work with uh, with his daughter, his daughter on vocals, and some beautiful, mellifluous, fantastic vocals uh, uh, from his daughter. And, of course, uh, Dean's very, very unique, singular, tried-and-true uh, guitar sound. And uh, that's hand in hand with all of his, uh, his unique uh, production capabilities as well. Uh, here's something uh, from the Hormones uh, uh, from Ireland, I believe. I'm going to double check that now whilst, uh, whilst you're listening to it. Mr. Wilson. Songs. 
Teenage Fan Club. That's Mellow Doubt, uh, one of the singles of uh, the Grand Prix album, which came out in uh, 95 on on the mighty, mighty Creation Records. And uh, I wasn't supposed to be playing three in a row, I'm going to be truthful. Um, It's a million degrees in the studio, so I've got wise to uh, bring in a bottle of water with me. Uh, And I've uh, drunk an awful lot. Don't need to go into an awful lot of detail, but I think I broke the land speed record for someone in flip-flops. Uh, to get back in time. Anyway, I'm suitably out of breath. I'm just trying to maintain a modicum of cool here without uh, imparting just how grossly out of shape that I I really, really am. Uh, Prior to uh, Mellow Doubt by Teenage Fan Club, we heard Badly Drawn Boy from from the Born Born in uh, the UK album. And if you uh, are a a collector like myself, there's a limited edition that came out in uh, a British passport-esque type wallet uh, and uh, came complete with a DVD uh, and that was from uh, 2006 there's more not Ginsu nice but there's more tunes to talk about Mr Wilson uh, that was by uh, the hormones and I was trying to rack my brain because I've not listened to, to them for, for quite a while I'm, I'm not going to lie to you 
um, and had to uh, to rejig my memory. They are indeed from Dublin, but it's essentially uh, it's essentially Mark Carroll, who um, who was uh, the the force behind behind uh, the band, which didn't really have a, a long tenure, just a three year tenure. Uh, the record that I played was Mr. Wilson. Uh, needless to say, that's a tribute to uh, a certain Brian, who incidentally is going to be at uh, City Folk Festival here doing his Pet Sounds thing which I'm delighted about. I shall be there uh, amongst thousands of other people. Jaw dropped, I would imagine. Uh, and the, and the, uh, the title of the, uh, the record uh, that uh, Mr. Wilson is called from is Where Old Ghosts Meet, and that's on V2 Records, and that was uh, released in the middle of uh, their tenure, 1998. And interestingly enough, I just found this out, and I'm going to share it with you. Um, Mark Carroll did uh, operate uh, as... Uh, uh, a, a different band prior uh, to uh, his his rendition of uh, well his his hormones collective which which to me is is, is the best bit uh, but uh, he had a couple of EPs produced by Martin Carr of, of the Boo Radleys and I didn't know that just one of them things and that was uh, when he had a, a band prior to the hormones called Puppy uh, Puppy Love Bomb and I'm going to try and find some of them and play them on the show just because it's a task. It's like throwing down the gauntlet. It's time for our uh, obligatory fall track. Every week we play a track by the mighty fall. This week I'm playing this.
from 1993. That's The Fall. And that's Ladybird from uh, the Infotainment Scan uh, LP, uh, released on permanent records through Cog Sinister. Now, as I mentioned last week, actually it wasn't last week, I think I mentioned this a week over week, we, we always play a fall track. It's just what we do. Uh, and if you don't like it, I'm hoping that over the course of time I can lull you into becoming a passive fan and then perhaps... A little bit more than that. Perhaps I could uh, entice you to perhaps purchase the greatest hits. It's kind of an oxymoron, greatest hits, but a best of. Um, anyway, it's it's my mission to uh, try and indoctrinate as many people as I possibly can uh, with regards to uh, enveloping all that is uh, the fall. Um, I want to talk a bit about football, actually. It seems that, uh, well, we've got two games left, haven't we, in the Euros to uh, ascertain who the uh, remaining two uh, quarter finalists are going to be. Um, we know that uh, from yesterday, uh, Poland uh, are through. Portugal, pretty undeserving, I thought, but are through. Uh, the brave Northern Irish uh, succumbed to Wales. Um, that was a heck of a game. It's like a Premier League. Uh, it was like an FA Cup tie, really. Um, of course, today we saw uh, the Republic of Ireland uh, gallantly go down to uh, France. So France are through, as are Germany, who, uh, well, they could have given Slovakia an even even bigger hiding. They were, they were diabolical today. Uh, and uh, similarly, uh, Belgium have uh, administered a, a beating to, to Hungary, 4-0 uh, today. So uh, we've got France, Germany, Hungary, Poland, Portugal, Wales. And tomorrow will be the, uh, the, the remaining two. We'll find out who uh, gets through from Italy and Spain. And I'll be very surprised if it's not Spain. Um, however, it is football and England-Iceland, which I alluded to earlier. And uh, needless to say, uh, I hope we win, but uh, I'd be very, very sad to see the Ice, uh, the Icelandics go um, for, for what they've brought to this tournament. Quite a wonderful uh, vibe they have brought to, to this tournament. Uh, coming up next, um, some Lloyd Cole. Uh, Lloyd Cole and the Commotions from his third and final uh, record uh, as Lloyd Cole and the Commotions. Um, we're going to hear something from Mainstream, which was released in 87 on uh, on Polydor Capital, and uh, a single, uh, My Bag. And this was the last record, as I said, that uh, Lloyd recorded with the commotions uh, in tow uh, before he embarked on a very, very uh, rich and still healthy solo career. I was walking my bag through a twenty-story non-stop snowstorm. Pirelli kind of girls wrestling in body lotion. My head swimming with poetry and poetry. Excuse me one moment whilst I powder my nose. In my bag, in my good fingers, as close as can be. We gave up sleep at the age of seventeen. My world's getting bigger as my sight gets worse. I can see the lines on my idiot. What about love? I don't let that stuff in my hand. In my bag. This is the glamorous life. There's no time for fooling around. Lord have mercy on me. What I'm doing? I don't need a knife. I need a fire escape. Open window. It's not a problem. Nothing I can do with. I'm not chasing. Just jogging, baby. Watch your back. A hundred million dollar jam. Got some traffic. Yes, sir. In my Baby, let me heck, ain't that a shame? She's over in the corner. 
Lloyd Cole with his commotions from from mainstream and that is uh, my bag um, it's time for our cover version cover me uh, cover version of the week uh, this week we are going to uh, hear from a band from Brighton called Frasier Chorus now Frasier Chorus uh, dream pop wispy uh, they uh, they were around late 80s to mid 90s uh, they uh, they first arrived on the scene with a with a a sort of low key release actually on 4AD records. Uh, they uh, released Sloppy Heart before they were signed by Virgin Records. Uh, Sloppy Heart was re-recorded and uh, re-released in '89 on Virgin. And if you like me and you like them, you collect their stuff. And uh, this this particular release came in a die cut heart shaped slip case. Yeah, I'm speaking English, uh, and uh, one of the B sides uh, is is rather brilliant, and uh, it, it's it's a it's a reworking of a song that that, that you all know, but I've not heard uh, I've not heard a cover version of uh, the band Concerned uh, done so well and so differently as this.
that's Mac, Will uh, and the rest of the Bunnymen. Uh, that is uh, the second song of their latest record, which is a good two years old, uh, called uh, Meteorites, and that's Holy Moses off, off the record. Uh, and that's released on um, 429 Records, and you can get that from 429records.com or your local emporium, etc., etc. And uh, prior to hearing uh, the Bunnymen, we heard Frazier Chorus uh, doing their version of uh, The Pistols, Anarchy in the UK, and, and I absolutely adore that version it's so so unique and uh, it's just so wispy and fey and I don't know, it makes you want to make a daisy chain or something um it's tinterweb time i'm dispensing with that annoying modem thing for the time being um it's just doing my head in i can't find a nice subtle uh, rendition of a modem that doesn't uh, borderline make your ears bleed so um i trawl around a lot i'm much like yourself i'm a curious uh, curious individual but I'm also on the hunt uh, for, for, for musical and football goodies. And um, Facebook uh, does house a lot of very, 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 very good pages uh, that are not marketed, not promoted, but you tend to stumble upon them. And I, and I stumbled upon one called uh, Record Cover Art. Very novel. So if you actually put in the search bar, record space cover space art, this will pop up, and uh, just so you know that you're on the right one, if there are uh, several, this one's got uh, the Beastie Boys license to ill as their uh, as their banner uh, at the top of their uh, their page. But just sifting through, yeah, we've got uh, a, a great little cover here by uh, by Dulla Soul, um, a roller skating jam named Saturdays. That's their latest posting, and then after that we got uh, we got some Molico, we got some Big Country, we got some Queen, we've got some uh, got Dave Davies, fantastic. So EPMD. Uh, Todd Rundgren, oh, oh, I'm going to have to say it, but uh, Hall and Oates, I'll quickly scroll over that. Uh, fantastic as well. We've got uh, Love, uh, Love's Forever Changes. You get the idea. Stuff that you've never seen, stuff that you're happy to see again, and stuff that uh, leaves you scratching your noggin. Uh, do you remember when WH uh, Smiths and, and you know people actually used to buy books and uh, every once in a while they'd have these, uh, these sales to get rid of their old stock and they'd have all these tables outside and... I'd, I'd always pick up um, this 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 one particular book, and I've got a load of them at home somewhere in, in, a, in, a, in a tea chest somewhere. Of uh, they're twelve by twelve, they're the exact same uh, size as uh, as an LP, and they would uh, curate what they deemed to be the coolest and best and wackiest uh, record covers. Brilliant stuff, and uh, you know, going to chapters. I've not seen uh, the likes of that particular series of book for for about twenty years, but. It's the thing I look for at garage sales, car boot sales, that type of stuff, to see if I can find uh, some stuff that I haven't got. Anyway, this is a digital version that's very, very similar to that. Uh, anyway, that is our uh, Tinterweb time of this particular week. This week, this week that's just passed, saw the uh, re-release of Grace Jones's uh, Warm Leatherette. Um, in a super, super deluxe pack, as you can imagine, with uh, just a litany of every, uh, every release and, and variation you can possibly uh, possibly imagine. And uh, I bought it, but I'm not, I'm not going to be playing that. What I'm going to be playing is something off a, um, a Canadian-only release. It's, uh, it's from the Jazz Butcher. Uh, it's the, the spooky uh, sort of mini-album, really. It was a single on, on, on Creation Records, but uh, in, in Canada it got partnered with the CBC uh, and houses some extra tracks, um, including uh, a fantastic uh, homage, as they say, to a lot of uh, uh, Canadian 
uh, pop culture figures uh, in a song called Sex Engine. But that's not what we're going to be hearing. We're going to be he- hearing uh, in a in a pseudo twisted tribute to to, to Grace, Grace Jones. We're going to be hearing grey flannelette, not warm leatherette. Grey flannelette.
from 1995. That's Quickspace Super Sport from their Super Plus EP on Domino Kitty Kitty Records. And that's the third track called uh, Scuba Plus. Uh, originally uh, formed by Tom, Tom Cullinan, who used to be in a band called Faith Healers, in case you give a hoot. Coming up next, uh, a tribute to uh, a British institution, uh, Brian Norman Roger Ricks, uh, actor, activist, and uh, by all accounts, uh, a really, really good cricketer. Well, not nowadays, he's... Uh, I think he's 92, but uh, this is uh, from from Bristol's Brilliant Corners, uh, one of the two renditions of Brian Ricks that they recorded, and uh, this is from one of uh, the compilation records that they put out, because a lot of their stuff is, well, just about all of it is deleted. Uh, if you can get your hands on this particular compilation uh, on McQueen Records, it's called Creamy Stuff, the singles compilation, 84 to 90. Such as me Don't be so worried We won't get caught They won't be back Till eleven o'clock We fumbled around In front of a budgie She started to laugh Well, it's so funny
Tears for Fears from 1983. From The Hurting, that is Watch Me Bleed. And that's a request, which you can do. You can request things of me. Uh, you can email me at uh, nearperfectpitch at gmail.com. And that is for Debbie in Sydney, Australia. Thank you very much for listening and thank you for taking the time to uh, you know, email me and, uh, and ask for said track. Cheers, Debbie. And um, I forgot to mention that before the Quick Space Supersport uh, track, um, I did play the new release by Death in Vegas, the title track of their latest release, uh, Transmission. And uh, I listened to the album at great length, and uh, it's pretty good. It's a grower, as they say, but I did like it first time round. But it gets progressively better and better. Um, so coming up, did you know, actually, that the Wonder Stuff have a new record out. Did you know? It's called 30 Goes Around the Sun. Did you also know that their first long player was called the Eight-Legged Groove Machine?
That's the KLF. More specifically, the Justified Ancients of Moo Moo. That's uh, the radio edit version of uh, It's Grim Up North uh, from 1991 on uh, KLF Communications. Uh, that's kind of a, a, a tenuous segue into uh, another feature that we have here on Near Perfect Pitch called GITS. It's an acronym for Get in the Sea. And I did have an individual uh, labelled and uh, segregated and ready to, to, to pillory uh, on the show. Um, but on, where, on uh, when was it? Uh, I've lost track of time. I know it's Sunday today. I've even lost track of when that's what it was. It was Friday. I was scheduled to record the, the programme on Friday. And that's when all the, uh, all the, the Brexit uh, uh, media frenzy occurred. And obviously, uh, we were made privy to the result of uh, of said uh, said referendum, uh, and it left me hollow. I uh, I uh, went online, postponed my booking of the studio, and sat there moping for a while. Uh, I'm from the north of England, and I'm very proud to be from the north of England. I'm very proud to be English. I'm very proud to be European. I'm very proud to be a human being. Um, I'm not going to get overly political. But uh, for the GITS uh, portion, if you voted to leave and you went through the process of due diligence in understanding the metrics, the numbers, the ramifications, the implications, the pros, the cons, fair play to you, and you made an educated decision. If you were xenophobic, uh, if you were in any way a bigot, if you... Uh, bought the saccharine sweet sick dogma that's been spewed out by irresponsible media saying that Britain's going to be overrun by uh, immigrant terrorists that are going to dehouse you that's what the North sees for that's for you to jump in because the average reprobate even if you're grossly overweight you've got about five minutes max in the North Sea before you succumb to, to a greater power now I understand I understand both sides. I do. And I can understand you wanting to leave for reasons that have a, a semblance of, of, of political, economic, socioeconomic uh, resonance. That's totally fine. But uh, if you are voting to leave because you think there's going to be an influx of millions of Poles and Syrians taking your job and uh, evicting you, then I weep. But by the same token, in a really, really perverse uh, turnaround. I, I tip my hat to the Leave campaign because they duped a lot of people who couldn't think for themselves into thinking that we were going to be under threat and that uh, we should do a Donald and build walls and, 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 uh, and batten down the hatches. Anyway, that's for the, the bigoted, xenophobic, Britain first, moronic contingent. The whole lot of you take a flying jump and jump into the North Sea and uh, let nature take its lovely, lovely course. I feel so much better for having said that. from wounds caused by you. 
that's delays from 2010's Star Tiger Star Aerial LP on uh, Lookout Mountain Records that is lakes can be lethal and I suppose they can and uh, they're from Southampton by the way and before that we heard the delays we heard delays but before that we heard delay delay by the heartbreaks who are from Morecambe in the north of England there's a little bit of a segue-esque geographic educational bants for you um, coming up next gonna go all the way all the way back to 1981 we're gonna go to Scotland I'm gonna hear this
first man in space on our street I had to leave my wife and kids behind It was a chance I could not pass upon It was the journey of a lifetime I threw away my packing up As they were waving me bye-bye Sometimes all I need is the air that I breathe And the air that I breathe is so thin I get high And I'm floating like God in his heaven High in the stratosphere Darling, come quick, you can see our house from here
is heaven.
Brilliant stuff, that. That's new from uh, Pete McLeod from his second uh, long player, which was released uh, this week. And uh, the album is called Crestfallen. And you'll remember, if you're a, a loyal listener, that uh, we had a, a chat with uh, with Pete uh, on uh, episode two's uh, Near Perfect Pitch. And we've played uh, several songs since as well. Uh, love the record iTunes, regular places, Amazon, even PeteMcLeod.net. You can get uh, you can get your copy. Before that, we heard uh, uh, Phil Oakey uh, from from Human League uh, lending his voice to uh, uh, the all-seeing eyes. First man in space, uh, a single and an album track from their uh, debut uh, long player called Pickled Eggs and Sherbet. And before that, all the way to uh, 1981 going all the way back to uh, a 12-inch remix uh, single by uh, Claire Grogan and uh, Altered Images. And that was I Could Be Happy. That was uh, the official dance mix, and that was vinyl. So if you listen closely, you can hear all the pops, cracks, uh, and such like.
Uh, new stuff from Turin Breaks from their uh, latest record uh, their third for cooking vinyl called Lost Property and uh, that is a song called Just That Lost Property before that from Manchester we heard on Circa Records uh, we heard The Storm by World of Twist a fantastic uh, EP with uh, a 7 and a 12 inch version of uh, said track and uh, 7 and 12 inch versions of a great uh, Stones cover in uh, She's a Rainbow. Um, what are we going to hear next? We're going to hear something something a bit goffy, uh, a bit of goff music for you.
from 1980. That's the specials. And that's a request, and that's uh, for um, Ryan in uh, in Austin, Texas. Thank you, sir, for uh, emailing, and thank you for having a consummate taste. And uh, that was from the 12-inch the, the single, the extended version of, uh, of Ghost Town by the specials and before that we heard uh, their debut single on dedicated records from 1990 10 years on from ghost town that was uh, cranes uh, an eerie brother sister outfit and uh, that's on dedicated records called uh, inescapable dedicated arguably probably most famous for uh, giving us uh, chapter house in uh, in the 90s uh, anyway um it's time to have a little bit of chit chat and a little bit of a reminder of sorts so we know that uh, requests do work we've had a couple we've had one from debbie one from ryan today you can uh, contact the show at nearperfectpitchgmail.com twitter and i'm getting better with my social media uh, i've got uh, i think i've got uh, the whole gamut save for pinterest which i'm not going to bother with i've got twitter at nearperfpitch i've got snapchat at nearperfpitch instagram nearperfectpitch facebook nearperfectpitch as a page uh, tumblr nearperfectpitch.tumblr.com um, and uh, i produced a rather rather cool video that i hope that uh, uh, a lot of you have seen which you can uh, see at vimeo.com/nearperfectpitch or you can see it on the facebook page where i've uploaded it uh, also very importantly the the podcast itself is now available through just about every means that i know of itunes google play blurberry which is a b l u b r r y there's a vowel missing there uh, stitcher tunein and uh, and podbean and don't forget to also listen to ckcu at ckcufm.com uh, online or if you're in ottawa you can listen at uh, uh, 93.1 fm lots of good shows on the on the station is not just near perfect pitch that uh, CKC is churning out. So, uh, if you've got uh, if you've got tastes that uh, are, are eclectic, if you've got specific tastes, there's really something for everybody. I know that sounds kind of cliche, but uh, it is the truth. Um, we are fast approaching time to share uh, the wisdom of, of Simon Mason, and I wanted to, um, in addition to, of course. Uh, in the show notes, which I do for every podcast, I'm going to put all the um, the salient URLs uh, for Simon Mason in in the in the notes and the track listing. Um, but I'm going to remind you of them anyway beforehand. Uh, good person to follow on the old Twitter is, uh, is Simon Mason, and he's at Simon Mason says. That's not too hard to ingest, I don't think. Um, Simon Mason says. Wordpress. Com is his blog. And uh, there's a Facebook page, too, for the band, uh, the Hightown Pirates, which you can uh, source on, on Facebook. Now, Simon has a, has a book out, and um, he's been touring with said book, uh, and I'm absolutely blown away at the, the humility of, 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 of the man. He's been to hell and back again. Uh, the book... Uh, I'm not going to go into detail because he's going to tell us all about it, but the book, uh, uh, 10 years in the making uh, in terms of the notes that he took uh, during a very, very busy uh, and colourful period of his life. Uh, and uh, he is now doing the rounds and uh, he's 10 years uh, ten years clean and sober, which is fantastic, and just a genuinely, uh, genuinely uh, giving 
lovely chap from from my uh, from my dealings with him, and uh, I'm particularly blown away by uh, by uh, his diversity. Uh, and I'm specifically talking about uh, the High Town Pirates. Um, very very excited at the prospect, and you'll you'll hear more about this uh, forthcoming in the interview uh, that uh, that Simon is going to be working with. Uh, one of the, the greatest living songwriters on our planet, Mick Head, uh, Shaq, Pale Fountains, Red Elastic Band, The Strands. Uh, you know the deal. If you listen to the show, uh, you, you know that I play a lot of uh, a lot of anything that, that Michael Head uh, has done. So uh, I've been told that there's a forthcoming uh, collaboration slash uh, slash uh, new material under the under the guise of the high town pirates which is absolutely fantastic so uh, stay tuned and this one is for simon this particular song
That one ends abruptly. I had to be quick on the trigger with that one because it mixes into the next song. Um, that is from 1980. That's uh, Buster Blood Vessel and, uh, and the gang, Bad Manners. Uh, and that is Special Brew, the only song I know and own, or, or knowingly own, that's written about uh, a, a, a beer. Uh, so um, uh, Simon Mason coming up next great interview he's going to be talking about uh, his recent goings on his his new book uh, too high too far too soon uh, all you water band uh, sorry water bands water boys fans uh, will uh, be familiar with that particular lyric um, and he's going to tell us a lot more uh, than uh, than i was bargaining for it was a great little chat with him and uh, that is forthcoming so enjoy it and i should be back uh, very very quickly hello mr simon mason Mr. Simon Motorhead, how are you, my friend? I'm fine, how are you, brother? I'm alright, I'm just uh, one eye on the telly, the great debate rumbles on, in or out, shake it all about. <laughs> well, you know, well, that, that's not a bad place to start, actually. I mean, I know I know it's late for you, I mean, it's, it's after 10. First of all, did, did you manage to squeak in some of the football before uh, before we uh, commence chatting? Um, I only, my only concern with... Uh, any international matches that no Liverpool players get injured whilst playing. Oh, a, man, a man after my own heart. Yeah, but we seem to be, we came through unscathed today, it seems, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah so far so good. Yeah, um, so far so good. And obviously the second thing I look for is to see if any United players have been injured. I've been, you know, <laughs> uh, seriously. I tell you what, you, you, you're checking all the right boxes so far, Simon. Fantastic. Um, I, I don't follow England. I, I I couldn't tell you the moment that happened, but um, I suspect it was at an England game 25 plus years ago. And I just thought, this is just, not, I'm not having it. <laughs> <laughs> no. I've, got, I've got very good friends who are perfectly well adjusted, apart from when it comes to football um, and music, um, that, that follow England that I have no interest in it at all. Well, it, it seems to be, uh, I, I don't sh- quite share your sentiment, but I, I, I must admit that it, it doesn't hold a candle to club football f- uh, f- for me. And, and are, you, are you of the school of thought, Simon, that this is something that I, that I noticed at a very young age, that uh, a lot of the northern uh, supporting uh, fans, especially in the northwest, uh, they don't have an awful lot of time for England. A lot of England support tends to come from the south, or am I making that up? Well... It's interesting, isn't it, when you when you look at the, uh, the George Cross flags that protect any sort of England game. I mean, you never see, rarely you see a big club. You know, it's like a bunch of lads from Stockport that just want to get their flag on the telly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No offence to any Stockport fans that may read this at some point, but you know, I don't think they describe themselves as a big club either. But no, I don't think. I don't it's know good. what that's about, really. I, I, I think with us, as, as you know, Liverpool and, and, and possibly, you know, the other lot at the M65, that we didn't need England to go abroad. Exactly. <laughs> we went abroad. We did all right on our own, thank you very much. And we didn't need to sort of jump on the England sort of, you know, bus to, to go and, and see football against foreign clubs, did we? So, um, I think there's a lot. There's a lot to that, and I must admit, I never thought of it in those terms because it's something that even as a even as a kid, not being able to travel, listening to the radio at two minutes past eight for European yeah. nights, you, you had an advantage over just about everybody else in the good old days. When if you finished first, you made it. If you didn't, you were a nobody. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, I, that, that's that's a that's a very interesting viewpoint. I'm I'm going to try and uh, develop that. 
But um, so let's let's talk about you because you, you've been you've been an awfully busy chap lately. Um, could could you tell the uninitiated about uh, about the book? I mean, that's a very very generic question. But the book's too. The, the book is uh, it's it's a wonderful read. Thank you. Uh, well, and and it's and it's it just hits on on pop culture that resonates with my with my life. But having said that, I think that's synonymous with millions of people as well. You did a lot of things that many people could only have wished to have done. You've come out <laughs> reasonably unscathed, I think, Simon, it's fair, it's fair to say. Um, yeah, but, yeah, no, yeah, but a lesser, a lesser man would be pushing up the daisies. So this, this, this book has been the best part of two decades in the making, it's my understanding. How, how are you aggregating it? Were you just, were you just writing down snippets uh, uh, on, on snips of paper, or how, was it more concerted? No, well... What what happened? Um, because you're right, and, and you're one of the few people that I don't know, you know whether you sort of, I've mentioned it to you at some point, but you know I, I used to keep diaries, oh. and um, you know I've always written when I was you know trying to to make it in the music business. I you know I, I couldn't play anything, and I thought well, if I just write lyrics, and and I still had a box about 10 feet away from where I'm sitting at the moment, full of those diaries, which made pretty sad reading, I have to say. Um, and uh, in, in my numerous spells in, in residential detox facilities, and uh, starting in, in, in the sort of mid-90s, aside from lying around, clucking your tits off, feeling really sorry for yourself, there's not much to do in a detox, but... Um, I remember distinctly being in, a, in this detox, probably in about 96, 95, and, and I've got a computer, and um, I'm of that generation where we didn't do computers at school, they were just sort of arriving, you know, and, and they were sort of, they only seemed to interest people that played Dungeons and Dragons and liked physics, <laughs> and thought that Queen were a really good group, um, and, you know, and and, and all that and, and you know all that sort of stuff. <laughs> so I didn't. I had no no use for computers um, until I sat in this detox. And, and all I knew about computers at that point really how much you get them in the pawn shop. Um, but I started writing. I remember. I, I distinctly remember sitting there. You know, I had slept for about a week, coming off heroin, and um, started writing how I was feeling and what had been going on. And I saved that on a um, Windows 95 floppy disk, which I still have somewhere. In the Smithsonian, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, partially as a result of, of that not being my last time in a residential detox, um, or residential rehab, I kind of, I, you know, more by accident than design, but, but whenever I find myself in such an establishment, I'd sort of write about kind of how I'd ended up in there. Yes. Um, and over the, you know, a period of years, I, you know, and then there were periods where I was kind of not, not using drugs or not using them in quite a sort of frenetic, horribly self sort of, you know, destructive way. Um, and, and I'd try and add narrative to, to some of those diary entries and, and um, 
about four years ago. I, I had a document that, like I said, it started with Windows 95 floppy disk, which was, you know, by that point, saved on a um, slightly better computer, shall we say. And, and the document was, was, was 160,000 words, some of which had been written, you know, um, 10 years previously. Some of it more recent, some of it written when I was absolutely a tiny mind on drugs, and, and, and a lot of it written in, in the first few years of my recovery. And um, I, I, long story short, um, I, by luck, got an agent and I sent him this huge document and he said, um, I've actually read all of it, Simon, which is rare for me, and, and I have to say the first two thirds aren't very good, but, but the final third, you, I think, find your meter, I think is the expression, if mm. you don't know, you find your voice. What I suggest you do, therefore, is start again with that same voice that you've kind of got, you know, at the end of this document. So I, I sort of puffed my cheeks out a little bit, and um, but that's what I went and did. <laughs> And, and that, that must be terribly difficult because I'm trying to, you know, I'm listening intently to what you're saying because we're talking about tens of thousands of words here that you've aggregated over the course of time. Now, is, is, yeah. it, is it fair to say that you, you know, you've forgotten a great deal of what, what you've wrote as well? You have to re revisit it yourself, figure out its, well, per, its pertinence? Well, well, see that, uh, yeah, and, and that, I wouldn't have done that. You know, if, if, that agent that said this is great, I can get I can get you a little publishing deal with this. That's what would have you know gone to a publisher. Yeah. And if a publisher had just thought, oh, this is trash, but there's room for trash and badly written, self-pitying nonsense, you know. So, and they clearly did because you know, I found plenty of books like that. Then that's what you'd have got. But but he wasn't like that. And um, I, I I kind of I had a conversation with. Um, James Brown, not sadly not the Godfather of Soul. No, you're actually. talking about the Leeds Leeds fan ex enemy and uh, loaded fella. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and um, he because I've I've written for his website Sabotage Times. In fact, you know, yeah, credit uh, where it's due. They they were the first people to really publish anything I've ever written. And he, he said he would he would get sort of told this story of an interview he'd done with with the late great Anthony H Wilson. And James had pressed him on a sort of, why did the Happy Mondays succeed where the Djibouti column didn't? <laughs> That's a question, isn't it? Which is a question to which Tony Wilson sort of said something along the lines of, of he said, the thing is, is that the Happy Mondays knew what their job was. And their job was to, you know, basically take loads of drugs and make music. And, and, more importantly than that, as James told me, he went on to say, but more importantly than that, they knew what their job wasn't. Uh, so they allowed the engineers to engineer, the producers to produce, the manager to manage, the, you know, so the art department to do the artwork. He said that the, that the Giruti column wanted to do everything. Well, Vinnie Riley wanted to do the whole shooting match, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the moral of that story, as James then boiled it down to me, was he said, so look, just do what you're told. <laughs> <laughs> let, let the editor edit. If, you, if your agent says start again, start again. And then when it comes to sort of killing your babies, um, just you're going to have to just swallow it. Unless you've got, unless you, you know. And, and so that's, you know, we, 
you understand that. I, I didn't. I, I understood that, and I understand it more now. So, so much as there were moments where I thought, you can't cut that out. That's amazing, that bit. <laughs> I talk about what I was doing at half past two on a Tuesday afternoon in February 1986. You know, it wasn't actually that interesting on reflection. You, know, you get, you have to sort of step back. Don't you, and, well, and I mean, your story, uh, you know, in, in terms of. You know what you've gone through. That that's one thing that you can extrapolate from 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 the story in itself is, is the struggle and, and the journey. But I tell you, you you've, you've you've lived three or four lifetimes in one. Your 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 life, of course, just like anybody else's, is so subjective. It must have been wonderful to have that objectivity to to bring out what you you possibly quite possibly couldn't have had a chance of doing on your own. Well. I, you know, there were people that, that I sort of spoke to that, that were very encouraging. I, um, I, I'm friendly with a, a writer called J.J. Connolly who, who wrote Layer Cake. Yeah, um, great film. Great film. And, and, and you know, he, he's John's a, a good writer. And, and so, I, you know, I, I asked people and they said, look, just, just, just write it all down and, and let the editor edit it for you. you know? and, and, but we do, I think... I think it's it's a bit like songwriting. I, I've I've never really been. If I hear people say oh, we've been in the studio for three months trying to work out a middle eight to a song, it's like turn it in. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little excessive. I think that's that's something that uh, that's a Tom York endeavour, really, isn't it? Something like that. Possibly, yeah, yeah. The Stone Roses have spent twenty years there, still haven't sorted it, have they? So, uh, well, and Kevin Shields is still in the bloody studio, so yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an utter waste of time. So you've you've had you've had this sort of uh, creative guidance. You 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 present it to an editor, and then how long was that process, Simon, for you getting your your hands on all of this stuff, rereading, carrying on uh, as 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 you were advised with with the the, the directive for the last third of 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 your uh, hundred and sixty thousand words? Was that was that easy to do to kind of pick up and, and be able to deliver in that in that manner? It was because I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm, however, uninterested I am with with the English national football team. I'm far less interested in the Olympics. Oh. Um, four, four years ago, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah a bit of a snooze, isn't it? And um, I can say, hand on heart, I didn't watch one second of it. And there might be some people that say, oh, grumpy old git, you know, you missed an amazing spectacle in the opening and the closing and all that. But I'm just not interested. Um, and I was renting a room in, in a, a, a house in, not far from where I live now, in Stanford Hill. I recall that summer, it rained quite a lot. Um, and I just sat in, in my bedroom, sort of, you know, I had a nice room, I had a, quite a nice sort of English garden, and set myself up, you know, I'm going to write this much every day, this amount of hours rather than the amount of words. Yeah. And of course, what I had was a, a template. And I also had, obviously, with with you know um, YouTube, the ability to, also, you know, it's joined by songs, and I don't know if you've noticed some people do, some people don't. Every chapter is, is headed by a song title. Yes. And and so much of, of what I recalled was was informed by you know, like it with a lot of us, it's the music I was listening to. You know, I mean. Yes. So. It was it was really nice. I really enjoyed that process of going on. You know, I'm just going to YouTube the Jam on the Tube playing their last ever TV or their last ever appearance, and 
and and you know you, you watch it and you see you know the wonderful sort of view of Graham being uh, sort of you know no it's the jam being there uh, <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know actually then remembering being thirteen I think I was at home watching that with tears running down my eyes going you can't do this to me you can't fucking split up <laughs> yes yes. <laughs> I live all the way here. You live all the way there. Yeah, you know you can't, you can't split up because you know back then if the band split up, they might as well be dead. It's funny because I, I, I'm not a sycophant by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I, I was a jam lunatic, and 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 when that when 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 it happened, uh, and then the Style Council be, be, became the uh, the end result, it, it, you might as well have just kicked me fair straight in the scrotum, really. It was yeah. that bad. Yeah. It yeah. Was, it was I, that... I have to say, I, I kind of enjoyed the first Slow Grants and I a bit. I think, like some, like, like a lot of us, you, you tried to force yourself. You said, this is Weller. It's got to be good. But uh, yeah. that's one yeah. of the... Well, I, 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 yeah, maybe, I, you know, the benefit of hindsight, I mean, I, I actually kind of know I, I, I liked it, but... but, but it didn't, it didn't, you know, I think I put a, a sentence in the book that Paul Weller sort of started wearing a beret and, and that, that, for a while and I, I just, I'm in Western Superman, I can't relate to it. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's, that was a definite turning point. When you start sporting a beret, then then that, that could be yeah. kind of a watershed moment. I, I draw the line at Long Hot Summer as well, the kind of, you know, Ed and Nick Talbot on a, on a, Canoe, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, Mick told it's like a it's like a swear name, it's a swear word. It just uh, just doesn't doesn't sit right with me. So anyway, so, uh, so that, that process was was a lot of, of YouTubing and yeah um, and yeah. yeah right. So so you you went through this process and was it was it cathartic for you as well? Was was it was it a healing thing? I I, I don't mean to come across corny, but. Uh, it, 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 can, it can be treated as such as, as, as therapy. Yeah, to, I, to I write. Think it, I, I think it was. I, 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 to be fair, I, I think much of the catharsis um, or that process was was certainly more than well underway. You know, I, I, by the time I sat down to write that book, I was six years clean. I, yeah, you know, I've been in rehab on, on a few occasions. I, I sort of had, uh, you know, a bit of counselling. I sort of accessed every possible source of, of support in in recovery. Um, so I didn't. It wasn't as raw as perhaps if you know I've just sort of stopped using one day and sat down the next day and started writing it all down. You know, I, I, that's kind of. Um, that would be mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd you have to be a cyborg to do something like that. Yeah, yeah. So there needed to be some distance from where the story, obviously it's some distance from where the story starts because it was, you know, it was 30 years ago. <laughs> but I think probably more importantly there needed to be some distance from where the story ended. You know, I needed to sort of, you know, if you have any objectivity about your own story, you have to sort of, walk away from it for, for a period of time, which in, in my case was you know, sort of maybe five or six years. Yes. From, from sort of training my act up and so, kind of, so so where, where is home for you right now, Simon? The um, Stanford Hill in Hackney in North London. Oh so you're in Hackney, okay. So do you still have family back in Western? My mum is still there. 
Um, my sister lives not far away in Somerset. I'll be going down there this weekend. Very um, nice. I'm familiar. I've got an auntie who lives there. It's a lovely part of the world. Everyone's got an auntie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and they're all, they're all single for some reason. It's I don't know. They're all single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my... I have to say my attitude towards Western Superman has, has softened um, somewhat um, over, the, over the, the past few years. Um, for various reasons, I think I once described it as, as not not a place people move to to die so much as just to sap their will to live a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, just a sort of it's a place to give up on life before you do die. Yeah, yeah, but 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 like I say, I've, um, you know, I've, I've spent a fair bit of time there, more time there of late the last few years because my mum's. You know, my mum's been very unwell. She's she's eighty three now. Yeah. Spent the last two Christmases at her bedside in hospital, although she's not in hospital. She's in a care home. I think things like that just kind of you know. And my girlfriend and I, you know, she 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 spent a lot of time down there. You know what? You you get a, a decent bit, a nice day, and and we go for a walk on the beach with with my daughter and the dog. You sort of think, you know what, it's, I don't want to live here, but there's far worse places to, to be. Oh, absolutely. With with age comes that uh, new appreciation of places that I deemed dull 30 years ago. Now it's what I kind of crave. Well, it's not dull. <laughs> it's still really dull, but it's kind of dull, but it can look... It can be. It can be. It, it, if, if you're lucky enough to, to see it with, with the, the tide, I think that there's a... There's a bay in Canada, actually, which has the world's highest receding or in and out of tide, by the technical word for that is. And then Western Superman comes a close second. It's, when the sea goes out, it fucking goes out, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I think, um, I think Bill Bryson, in one of his books, Notes from the Small Island, he spent a sort of Tuesday night in February in Superman. <laughs> you can have much to say about it. Well, now Fe- February in February there is not going to be uh, much yeah. to write about. Um, hey. You know, you, you you go into a lot of detail uh, in in the book, and, and I'm just wondering because um, uh, I live in a country that borders the most litigious society on God's green earth. Yeah. Uh, have you had any issues with with any uh, litigation or threatened litigation just by speaking the truth? Um, no, um, no, because um, before I, you know, it, it's it's clearly obvious when I'm referring to sort of bands, you know, yes. or a tick, you know, that's not nice to think about. I, I spoke to to Alan McGee. I, mean, I haven't spoken to to Noel and Gallagher for twenty years. I haven't seen either of them. Um, I spoke to to the older brother Paul, and I said, "Paul, I'm just you know, I, I, I chat with Paul very regularly, I, and I sent him some of the writing, and I said, what do you reckon is about it?' It's, you know, the, yeah, actually, Paul bless him in, in his kind of Mancunian sort of down to earth, call a spade a spade. Went the only person that looks like a cunt in it is you, Simon. Well, that's uh, that's. That's so, black, black and white. Um, I mean, and other people have said, "Aren't you uh, afraid of, of getting arrested?" Well, and um, I have to say, the thought never crossed my mind. I, I mean, I've subsequently been told about some of the statute of limitations, um, and of course, 
I could just say I've made it all up. Exactly. I was just going to say, when push comes to shove, I made it all up. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, there is a, um, the, this sort of disclaimer, which I have to think is, is sort of one of the best lines in the book, I can be so bold. Right at the beginning, it said, it's often a thin line between fantasy and reality. I would know I snorted it. <laughs> Yes, it's, yeah. Well, that that's one of the that that stays with you from the beginning all the way to the end, and it doesn't go away. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you, you, it, it didn't blur; it just disappeared up, up your nasal cavity. So yeah, yeah that's a, a great yeah. a great analogy. Now, now, when you when you take your um, when you take yourself on the road, as it were, and you're engaging an audience, how, how are you finding uh, how are you find that in general? Um, you must enjoy, it, obviously, but uh, any surprises along the way? Uh, it's been it's been incredible. So so we now you know the stage show, yeah. uh, such as it is, came up. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you the backstory because it's important. And, oh, please and, do. Um, I um I, I put on a, a sort of charity night at a theatre in London two, two and a half years ago. I think it was nearly three. Yeah, um, where we I, I know some other writers that are in recovery to use a genetic term. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, look, why don't we, why don't we just book a theatre and, and sell tickets and, and we'll give whatever profits to an addiction charity and, and we'll just have a 15-minute slot each of us. You're not allowed to read from, from the book. Um, and we'll just, you 15 minutes, tell a story, go. That was the kind of idea. And, and Barney Hoskins was kind enough to get involved and a few other people. And, um, and, and the night was a huge success. Um we, we kept on planning to have rehearsals and all that, and none of that happened, and then everyone turned up late on the night, but, but, but that's kind of how it came Anyway, in the audience was a wonderful man called Phil Fox, mm-hmm. and Phil Fox is a, was in long-term recovery himself and, and addiction, and um, he was the creative director of a, a theatre company called the Outside Edge Theatre Company, who he was set up by himself 20 years ago to work specifically with people in recovery from whatever. Um, and um, he liked the, the one night stand show that he put on and he asked me if I wanted to, to do a show, an adapt, adaptation of my book. And I generally thought he meant like a one night thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not knowing that, that, that what he what he intended to do was what actually happened. We ended up doing a four-week run in the West End. Um, very sadly, halfway through production of the show, Phil passed away suddenly he had a heart attack, and um, he is no longer with us. And, and there was a kind of, what are we going to do? And, and obviously, you know, people like well, Phil wants to would have wanted the show to continue, which we got kind of went without saying. But we had no script. We, we booked one of the theatres, we were under contract, you know, sort of bits of money had changed hands, so we were committed to it. Um, we were sort of six weeks from opening night, and um, the new creative director was like, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, well, that's, that's your job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Phil and I had discussed some of the scenes we thought might translate into you know, theatre, and she said, well, what's your improvisation skills like? I'm like, have you read my book? Yes. <laughs> I can, uh, I can improvise. So, so we, we just, there's no script, is what I'm trying to say. Um, there were 22 scenes, 22 things need to happen over a period of time. 
no two shows are the same. I've probably performed it nearly 50 times there. Uh, I find it equally, the, the five minutes or so before I go on stage, and, and more often than not, I'm sitting in the dressing room completely on my own, um, is the most sickeningly, horrifically, <laughs> frightening and lonely place I've ever been. It's um, it's you and your thoughts, um, right? Sorry, you and your thoughts preparing. Just me and a head going, what the fuck are you? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> or what have you done as well? Yeah, done or what you're about to do, and it's going to be rubbish, and, and you know, just this kind of shitstorm of, of fucking paranoia and negativity, and and the thing is, it, it is the same every night. And, and the one thing you kind of cling on to is it's the same every night. You know, I've, I've had this conversation with um, friends of mine that perform, and, and they're like, "That's you just have to remember that." So much the same as going on stage to play a gig. You know, if you're not nervous, then you're probably not doing it right. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm and not... as a result of, of, of the show, and, and, and we said we did this run in, in the West End. Um, one night, I was fortunate enough, um, or no, actually, he was fortunate enough to be in the audience. Jimmy Page was in the audience. Oh, ju- just him, yeah. Yeah, just yeah, him, yeah. He used to be in some band. Um, he's actually a patron of the outside of the company while he was there. And he, um, he came up to me after the show and he said, You've just blown my mind. To which my, I didn't actually say it because my mouth was sort of flapping. What I said. <laughs> But I remember thinking that your guitarist in Led Zeppelin, that must take some doing, you know. That's pretty pretty high praise, that is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you to have blown Jimmy Page's mind, that's, that's yeah. something He's else. He's getting on a bit, so maybe... <laughs> it could yes. be, yeah, it could be a bit senile, but still, it's still still high praise. Yeah, um, so that, as a, as a music fan, um, although I maintain that The Who were better um, than Led Zeppelin, didn't say that to him. Um, that was that, but that was, as you can imagine, quite a life and amazing moment. But to be sort of deadly serious, um, the highlight has been, and, and, and it happens fairly regularly, um, is, is being approached by um, someone after the show, a mother, her two sons, and she sort of stopped me and said, Can I just talk to you? These are my lads, they're in the band, they're both on heroin. They've just said you've given them some hope. Fantastic. That, that must be an amazing feeling. And again, uh, everything I say is, 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 is with sincerity. And I'm not trying to pick the obvious questions, but to, to, to be able to go through that and share your experience and know at the end of the day that you've tangibly and palpably helped people, that, that's fantastic. It's why I do it. Yeah. And it's, no, well, it's partially why I do it because I enjoy it. <laughs> and I'm a show off. Yeah, well, if you, if you hated it and didn't have a little bit of an ego, it would be a bit tricky, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, but, you know, it, I, I don't know if, if you need all those component parts of your personality. If you're gonna, I mean, it's, it's, Dara, it's two hours long with, with like an, an interval in the middle. It's just me. That's, no, that's a slog. Uh, I, I can appreciate. I mean, I do a radio show sometimes for three or four hours on my own, and yeah. it doesn't compare to the to the scrutiny that you're under. I sweat, 
and it's and that four hours seems like an eternity. So I have a semblance of an idea what you're talking about. It's it's not an easy thing to hold people's attention for two hours. No, it's not. It's not. It's not an easy thing to hold my own attention for five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a different tale altogether. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I like to think that I mean, you know, my, my girlfriend's sitting over here and she's seen the show a few times. And I think she agree. It's it's slightly different every time, but um, that's the beauty of it, really. You know, it, it's. I, we've just confirmed some shows for, for London again in, in September at the Water Rats, which plays a you know has a sort of significant um, part of the, of the story in you know, my life and the book. Yeah. Um, I asked us to come back and do three shows in September. We're going to do some in Bristol and, and up in Glasgow and Edinburgh, and, and we've been to Liverpool twice and, and, and sold out in Liverpool. And, and yeah, and you're you're very well liked up there. Yeah, well, you know, um, I, uh, I'd like to think that, you know, <laughs> you know, people get honorary doctorates. Yeah, well, would you, would you rather have an honorary doctorate or an honorary season ticket? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so. Are, are there any designs on, on, on um, taking your show uh, to, to, to areas of the world where it would resonate, which would probably be... US, Canada, Australia. Has that ever crossed your mind? Um, well, it's my mind, really. The reason I ask, Simon, is because you know, we've, had, uh, we've got a writer's festival over here, and I was talking to uh, Derek Ridges, who I'm sure you know, uh, the, the, photo- yeah. the photographer, NME, and all that business, and he's got the, he's got the Skinhead's book, and he's got, his new, uh, he's got a new uh, retrospective book out as well, and he's actually been here. Uh, for one of these festivals, uh, and uh, they are funded, uh, and I've worked with the British Council over here on a few things. You've got Steve Severin over here one year and things like that. Um, it was just an idea because I think that your story, I mean, of course, it's, very, it's a very British story in terms of you know, where, where it happened and, 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 uh, and, and the people it happened with, but I think there'd be a lot of resonance in, uh, in some uh, hep cities like your Sydney's and your Melbourne's, your Brisbane's, your Toronto's, your New York's. There's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I had an email, um, a Facebook message about a year ago from someone who, who said, you don't know who I am. Um, my mom has a poster of you on her kitchen wall because your book saved my life. I'm a 21-year-old girl from New York who was on heroin. And somehow, you know, so... I think, you know, the, the, the people, places and things, you know, are interchangeable, really. I thought, you know, yes, it's, it's, it's British, but um, I'm pretty sure if we went to New York or L.A. or, or Canada, you know, I, yeah, there's enough expats, you know. Um, exactly. There are some technical um, issues around going to America, in my case, which I'm trying to get ironed out at the moment. <laughs> yeah, no need to go into detail, but, but you, know, you, you, you and Bez on the same list. Uh, I, I hope <laughs> I'm not on the same list as him. He's been. I was going to fear for you, because last time I saw the Mondays here, Bez was, Bez was nowhere to be seen. Yeah, so. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, anyway, I, I, I kind of, I'm making inroads into that. Good. Work I've been doing this year, you know, I, I might need to. Anyway, we, we shall see. But um, no, I mean, if, if someone wanted to produce the show, uh, and, and you know, produce basically means finance, doesn't it? So um, that's what it means, yeah. 
I'd be I'd be absolutely delighted because I think actually you're right. I, I think you know it does translate. There are people that have read the book all over the world. Um, you know, in Australia it did pretty well. I did an interview to Channel Nine over there. Oh, that's great. Um, they seem to enjoy it. Um, you know, so yeah, uh, it, it's it's certainly got there. I think. Simon, you still, oh, still. As long as I can keep performing it, I'm happy to keep doing it. Yeah, know? well, I, I mean, I, I mean, there's nothing like seeing something live. Um, so it would be yeah. fantastic to to, to to see live. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that bring that up because well, I, I think my permission to go yeah. speak to Revy. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm going to go around my begging bowl to the British High Commission next week and see what I can do yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. I need, I need to, ticket for me and the producer and. Yeah, yeah, you need to leave, you're, you're gonna to have to bring him this. At least, at least three first class tickets, decent hotel. We'll get you over. We'll, I'll start working on that. Um, now, now, let me let me ask you this because um, we haven't really talked about anything contemporary in terms of music. Are, are you are you still buying records nowadays? Like, are you uh, still? Fair enough. <laughs> so, what, what's the last the last two or three I that you bought? Right. Well, I, um, I've had some bought for me recently. None of them were made in the last forty years. <laughs> well, this is, it still counts. I'm just curious to see that what you're spending your money on. Well, I um, for, I, I celebrated as you may have seen ten years of sobriety. You did, and huge congratulations. That's a massive, massive deal. Yeah, that that um, didn't, didn't go unnoticed. Part of my booty for that. Actually, that's not very good words for you. It's got so many, so many connotations now, Booty. The swag that, that, that I got from that, my um, girlfriend brought me a, um, a sort of replica old record player, like a digital record player. It says it's portable, but it's not even plugged, so it's not that portable. But um, I, I didn't have a record deck. Now I do. And I can tell you the records that I actually got on my lap now, that she also put in that wonderful present, was a vinyl copy of This Is The Sea. Nice. Um, the repressed heavy vinyl reissue of Forever Changes. Very nice. I um, treated myself, and don't say I should have had it already, but to the reissue of The Magical World of Strands. Oh, <laughs> i tell you what. You've got impeccable taste, sir. Well, we knew that anyway, but this is for the for the listenership who don't know you. So that, that's three out of three, three belters. Uh, then we also have Talking Heads. Nice. Um, little um, Low by David Bowie. Nice by Aztec Camera. And um, because I sort of know him a little bit, I, I got last year's Deluxe album weighs about six tons <laughs> um four weather satin's pattern well so, so there you go. that's a pretty oh, flawless God. flawless array of gear that is speaking of speaking of talking heads um you 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 were talking earlier about uh uh, about the Mondays, knowing what you know what to do and what not to do probably the only exception to the rule was their their time with uh, with chris franz and, and tina weymouth <laughs> recording pills thrills in terms of yeah. not 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 knowing what to do and 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 doing, well, I don't think they knew what day of the week it was. No, I, I think it's pretty hard to, to, to discern wrong and right when yeah, you're that, yeah. that off your cake. But uh, but Bez, some of the stories. I mean, are you privy to any any of these stories 
that that, that go on because I mean, a lot of that did did make uh, the news. But to be a fly on the wall for that particular recording would have been fantastical. I, 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 do you know what? I mean, I remember reading about them at the time. You know, the crashing of the jeeps and the this and the that. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Sean sort of. Um, you know, the friend, you know, selling, just selling the studio, they, they walk out with the mixing desk and flog that as well, you know. And it's funny. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Oh, at out. the time, you know, I don't know if they were laughing, you know, much the same as, I, I like to think that if you excuse the dreadful pun I'm about to use, but, you know, I tried to inject a lot of humour in my own story. Yes. Uh, Very funny. Think, you know, 20 years later, due to the fact that they're all still alive, no one died, you can go fly, but that would mad that, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can. Um, it takes a couple of decades before you can afford yourself the luxury of being able to say, that was mental, that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I did a, a, a phone interview with, um, with a journalist yesterday who, who's writing um, an article for British GQ 20 years after Neville's. <laughs> yes. That, that dates people. He, he spoke to, um, he spoke to like Catelyn Moran and, and other people that were there that day and said, oh, and also, um, also I've done an interview with, with, with the doctor, the GP that was on duty that day. I'm like, wish I'd banged him. I'm like, I'm stay. <laughs> well, he's the, busy, he's the busiest bloke at Nedworth, that's for sure. Yeah, I wonder what they said to him. I said, listen, mate. <laughs> yeah, anyway, but um, yeah, the hindsight is, is a wonderful thing and, and you know, I... I you won't have to laugh, but I, I'd like to think during the show I'd get as many laughs as I do, sort of shark intakes of breath and, and you know, and tears, actually. Well, well I'm sure it's, a, sure it's an emotional roller coaster to, to see it in person because, you, you know, you, you've been, you, you, you deliver your story in a very humble way, but uh, in actual fact, you know, if, if this was uh, the story of an American, the hyperbole would be immense. Uh, you, you've delivered this in a very, very... Uh, tactile, uh, a tactile d delivery of sorts, because because it c it could have gone pear shaped, whereby it could have just been some token diary of sensationalism. But uh, my, this is my personal opinion, of course. I just I just, I just love the way it reads. I, I love I just love well, of course, uh, the memories that you're unearthing and sharing are fantastic. But it's 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 very well put together. So uh, between you and your editor, you managed to. Uh, you managed to align the contents of your uh, brain very, very nicely because it's it's a big, big job that people that don't write don't quite understand that, how, how monumental a task it is. Thank you very much. No, it's a pleasure. And, and just, just uh, I've got a couple of last questions for you because it is very late where you are. Um, just back on, the, purely selfishly, back on the subject of, of Liverpool Football Club. Uh, you're there a few times a year. Uh, listen, you get me started would be a problem. Well, well, yeah, I just, yeah, well, I'll do my best to try and try and reel you in. But when it, when it's, it it's quarter to eleven. Don't worry. It's, oh, you know, oh, it's early. It's not, it's not that late. <laughs> okay, so I'll nestle in for the evening then. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, you're there. You're there quite a lot. Uh, being that you're from uh, from Western, what was the the, the turning point for you? Because I imagine a kid in the playground at some point. You, uh, you, as we all do, make a decision in life. And was it the same for you? Uh, well, I, I, I wrote about it in, it in the book. I, I, you know, my, forgive my me. For, yeah, forgive me. I just want to be able to, you know, inform yeah, the, yeah. Pe the people so, as well. So my, 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 dad, um, my dad wasn't really, uh, it didn't support anybody. So that's normally your sort of, your shoe in, isn't it? It's, yeah. a, it's a father. Or, um, he, he 
was a, a, an avid supporter of Lancashire Cricket Club. Um, his own father had lived in Blackburn for a long time. Um, it, so he watched football, but he wasn't. He, he didn't really follow anybody. Um, and um, Bristol City would have been, you know, my my nearest club were I to attach myself to my local team, which is, sounds like something an Evertonian would do, say to me a lot. Yeah. That, that's it. Some of them gives a fuck away, but um, <laughs> but my my mum my mum's family were from Coventry and. Um, just after my father died, one of her cousins, who was a season ticket holder at the old Highfield Road, said, well, I'll take, take the lads to the football, you know, cheer him up a bit. Why is he taking me to see Coventry City? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's just plain, plain cruel, that yeah, is. But, yeah, but, but as it transpired, um, <laughs> they were at home to, to Liverpool. Um, I would probably... Stick my neck out and say, you know, we were talking 1980, maybe right. 81, possibly the greatest club side Britain's ever produced. I don't mean Coventry City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Coventry side from 1980 was phenomenal, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he took me to the match and we, we sat up in, in the main stand at Highfield Road. Um, Coventry, as well as their much sort of vaunted under soil heating, um, which they had there at the time. They also had a recently, I think fairly recently installed electronic scoreboard, um, which was kind of like a big thing back then. Yeah, um, it was. And it, I remember looking at it and whether by accident, design, or just lack of a, a light bulb, it didn't say Liverpool, it said Liverpool. <laughs> um, yeah. And, Coventry City actually won won the match 1-0. So just to sort of reiterate, the Coventry City side of 80-81, none of whom many people outside of Coventry would be able to tell you <laughs> any names, beat a side that, that had, you know, Kenny Dalglish, <laughs> Terry McDermott, Graham Souness, yes. you know, uh, they, you know, Phil Neal, you know, that, uh, and they beat us. And they actually were a bit of a bogey side for sure, while Coventry. Anyway, the match finished and, and my mum's cousin said, you know, you, you kind of got to stick your flag in the ground here. And, and, and Now, I should point out, obviously, this is said with the benefit of hindsight many, many years after the event, but I think there was a, like an internal decision. I, I looked at the away ends, I looked at the Liverpool fans and probably eight, ten thousand back in those days, yes. flags, scarves, just looking like, despite being losing they were having the best day of their life singing songs i kind of needed some of that more than i needed a lifetime supporting country <laughs> no, that's 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 a wonderful analogy and uh, I, I i can i can see how that would have uh, would have swayed you at a time of need you you were taken with the best of intentions to coventry they couldn't deliver what was necessary the, the away fans did so fantastic so how, how often are you up there uh, in any given season as often as possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 last season, I think home, I didn't get too many aways. I, 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 I don't know, seven, eight times a season if I can. Yeah, yeah, because you, you, you certainly document it when you're there, and uh, I'm kind of envious. I used to get back 
couple of times a year now. It's uh, once every year or year or two at best. But uh, it's uh, let's talk about let's talk about a couple of uh, couple of things in terms of the off season. Being it's a Euro year and that there's not time to draw breath from finishing a, a league season before you're shipped away to your either the Copa America or, or the Euros. There's, a, there's only a handful of top players who aren't playing football right now. Very hard to do business. Uh, it uh, fuels the rumour mill even more than it would ordinarily. Uh, and then yeah. pe- people get back either earlier than they'd like from a tournament or when the tournament ends. Like Conte from Italy, he's only going to have two or three weeks for Chelsea, which is far from ideal. point I'm yeah. trying to make is it's a, it's a, it's a haphazard scramble. Um, a lot of names being bandied about. Um, are you uh, rooting, as they say, for anybody? Because there are some serious names being chucked about. We've already got Grucic coming in. We've already got Matip and we've got Karius. Three good signings. And we know, we know who we want to get rid of. So could you give me some... <laughs> well, well, it's quite... It's quite. It's not a short, not a short Stale list, Simon. Stale played out of his skin last night. Well, that's the irony, isn't it? That's the bloody irony. So we should be asking Roma twice as much now. He was, he was immense last night. I... Um... I, I genuinely think that, that Mr. Klopp will um, will spend money wisely. I can't imagine for one second when he was approached by FSG that, that he you know he he said anything other than if, if I do this I'm doing it my way and I want to know how much money you're going to give me. Agreed. Yeah. He wouldn't have took the job otherwise. Taking the job would be so. I, I'm just getting, you know. We we have a it's not just Liverpool Football Club but you know the African the Cup of Nations is I mean look at the sort of shite we've signed up <laughs> historically oh, off the crap. back of a, you know of of one of those competitions all right I don't mean any disrespect to African football at all but you know um, so I, I just think I I kind of try and turn my head away from all that and um, we'll see you know because I genuinely don't think we we're, we're we're that far away from, even though this is, you know, it's obviously not his team that he managed last season. But um, if we can hang on to Coutinho, you know, um, and, and those players around him, and I think Firmino is only going to get better. Well, Firmino, uh, when when Coutinho plays with Firmino and Lallana, it's fantastic to watch. Yeah, Lallana's, you know, from what I've seen, you know, the England games, he, he, he's been great. You know, he um, he's player. I think people are talking. You know, China up a lot, saying that he needs to step up a level now. I agree. You know, of course, the the, the huge gaping sort of wound of, of Mr. Stevie Gerrard is going to. You know, there've been times I've been at the match and I'm and I'm sort of waiting for that sort of forty yard pass and thinking it's not going to happen, is it? No, no, it's not. Not with not with the current uh, not with the current players. But there is good news in that Stevie's. You know. <laughs> He's cashing his chips in LA and he's going to come back a season early. That's what uh, everyone's saying and that's what is believed to be happening. So um, there's been no bones made about him him, him uh, coming back in some sort of capacity, which can only be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the sort of whole schizophrenia of it, of the fact that we could win against Dortmund yes. and then just capitulate in the second half against Seville. That's exactly it. That's that's the best assessment I've heard. That's exactly what happened. I mean, the first half, we should have gone in 3-0 up. It should have been over. Yeah. And by rights. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of thought it was. Really. I just thought it would be all right. But, um, and, and I, you know, and, and I think Klopp kind of put his hands up and, and, and perhaps, you know, 
it has that horrible statistic now of, of played six, lost five when it comes to sort of final time. Right? Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Well, well, we'll dispel that, I'm sure. That right. I, I love the guy. I think he's fucking amazing. I was just beyond, beyond, I don't think I've ever been as happy since we signed Dalgleish in terms of an acquisition at our football club. Because a lot, of, a lot of the really wonderful things that happened to our club happened organically, like the, the, uh, the transition of the, the Shankleys to the Paisleys to, to the Morans to the Fagins. But when we bought Dalgleish, that was, uh, that was a watershed. And, and in, in, in a non-playing capacity, uh, since Shankly, I, I, I just don't think we've done anything of this magnitude. Any, any, any number of teams in any number of leagues would, would have took, took Klopp over anybody right now. Yeah. Absolutely, you know that whole thing about well, the, the sort of difference being between you know the buying Kenny was was you know we we obviously just sold Kevin Keegan. We're like, oh my God, it's how can you replace him? And, and, yeah. and we not did we replace him? We we improved. Yeah, four hundred so, four hundred forty thousand improved on Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> Yeah, well, Bre- Brendan, Brendan had the best of intentions. He just didn't have the technical nous, uh, and that, that's, that was unfortunate. And we, you know, we uh, we we really overachieved that season, and effectively, and, and his teeth are too American. To, to be that, well, they're too bloody perfect. Yeah, they certainly are. Well, as you can tell, Mister Clock probably he probably has a crafty fag and likes a beer. You can tell by his teeth. <laughs> well, well, I've always said. I mean. The, the best sides you've ever had were a bunch of ugly-looking spuds. We need to get some real real mingers in the team uh, and yeah. some Scottish mingers at that, and then we'd be laughing. Look, any manager that can turn Diane Lovren from an absolute embarrassment into, you know, <laughs> yes. I'm not world-class, but, but that, I mean, I think it's just because he stopped wearing those ridiculous yellow boots. If, if, you, if you check your stats, when he did the yellow boots, he started to become a good player, but I think... Mr. Klopp must take some credit for that as well. Well, uh, uh, yeah, well, so. don't don't get me started on those boots, especially the ones that are different colours on both feet. That's stupid. Just beyond, it's beyond the pale. If if my mum is cognizant of the fact that Dayan Lovren is a donkey, enough said, really. So 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 Klopp is essentially a miracle worker. It's the first season, in 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 all honesty, without my rose-coloured spectacles because it's a part of the game. But this is the first. The first season, I can remember where I am not remotely worried about what's going to happen, who's going to get who's going to get turfed, and who not necessarily who we're going to sign, but who we are trying to at least sign a statement of intent. So I'm I'm, I'm very optimistic about, it, especially not being in Europe. The old adage there, and it's going to be a, it's going to be a funny old season with with Mourinho and, and, and Guardiola in Manchester, and you've got we've got we've got Coleman to contend with. We've got possibly. Four of the the top six managers in in world football in the northwest. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, and we have that that new appendage on top of the main stand as well. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, are you going to be? Yeah, going are you going up there for the for the first game of the season? Well, going up there, first game of the season. I could, I well, we're not Arsenal. Well, yeah, it's yeah. Arsenal, no, I mean our home game. Yeah, yeah. I imagine you'd be nipping down the Emirates, but uh, nipping up for the first home game. Because if, 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 if we were drawn in Europe, I was under the impression that the, the, the stand might not have been ready, but not, not a problem with our first game being away. So our first home game will be in the, uh, the newly completed. Yeah, um, I, I, make it, I, mean, I don't possess a, a ticket. Um, I know people that do. And, um, you know, um, well, like most so of us. I'm saying yeah, that's, that's uh, like most I, of us, I, yeah. I, I, if I can go, I will go. Um, I indoctrinated my girlfriend. I took her to her first match last season. Um, 
home to Villa. Oh, very um, nice. And uh, I got so we, we sat on the cop and um, we had been doing very well. And I, I introduced some of my friends who all, all sit up in, in 305, you know, which is hallowed ground, as you probably know, at, at that sort of party club. Yeah. And uh, we, we just about came away with three points, after which they all came down and said she's got to come every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's perfect assimilation then. She's a uh, she's she's a part of the cop now. What, what about your daughter? She's been to a few. She hasn't been yet. No. She wants to go this season. Oh, fantastic! Um, so, um, so she she said she'd like to go. So you know, we'll we'll, we'll all try and get up there. I mean, you know, I, I, it's not just football with me. You know, I've got lots of little friends there. I, I, I try and see Nick when I'm up there. And yeah. People and. Pop into the brink, which is this recovery cafe on on Par Street, and you know it's 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 not just about the match. There's a lot of people that I've got a lot of time for, and a lot of love up there. And, um, it's a lovely, it's a lovely part uh, of the world. And, and, and you know, and, and, and this is it might sound a bit saccharine for some people, but every time I I sort of walk in, it doesn't matter where I'm sitting, but particularly if I'm walking into the back of the cop there, I do stop and think. There are probably, not probably, definitely millions of people who would give their right arm to be sitting where I'm sitting now. Absolutely right. Ever. Absolutely right. And uh, I, I get, I, I was. Never forget that. You still I feel never. humbled, don't you? When you when you go to the when you go to the game, I, I'm, of course I'm very envious of those who go every week and travel like I used to. But uh, whenever I go for that once or twice a year. I, I make 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 no mistake. I I am very appreciative of, of where I am, what I'm seeing, and uh, yeah, it's never to be taken for granted. That's for certain. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's part of um, it's part of the, the sort of tapestry of, of you know to sort of get back to the start of, of you know this conversation and, and, and life and, and the book. You know, the book that I wrote. Um, did phenomenally well in Liverpool. Um, hence, we, we took the show up there. Um, it, it sort of um, resonated there, I think, in a way. Without sort of spoiling it for you, but I'm kind of going to tell you anyway. So the stage show is is sort of hung out on, on a question that I asked myself at the start of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might want to include this, maybe, maybe not, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So... So the opening scene of, of the stage show is uh, a reenactment of something that happened a few years ago, just after the book was published, where I, you know, get a book published and you've got to do the round of media, this and that, da, 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 you know, and my publishers had said, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get you interviewed with this paper, that paper. Um, I got a phone call from a guy from um, The Sun. <laughs> he, yes. He was... Um, Persistent, shall we say, kept bringing me up. And, and, and you know, the honest truth is, is, is that I, I said to him, "Look, mate, I'm, I'm just going to have to think about this now. I'll, I'll put some context on that. At that particular time, I, I just lost my job. Three of my good friends had died within the space of a couple of months, all from addiction. They'd been actually, you know, they were dead." I'd been in a relationship that hadn't worked out. I lost my job. I was kind of staring down the barrel of the gun. I was homeless. It was a really difficult, challenging period in my life. Really, it was a few years ago. You know, I was like seven years clean. I don't think to myself, what's the fucking point? You know, and the book had just been published, and, and 
it kind of served as a great foil. So everyone's going, oh, you must be doing great. Everyone thinks you're rich. You know, I haven't yes. made a penny out of it. You know, it, but it sort of served as a, as a kind of kept everyone at arm's length. You know, what I really wanted to do was just fucking break down and cry. You know, I was having a difficult time. Anyway, maybe from the sun was going, oh, we, we ran a story like this a little while ago, and that book went on to become a bestseller, and now they're making a film out of it. And, did a, and the honest truth is, though, I, I, I was tempted. Right? Yeah. It wasn't like, that oh, fuck you. Um, but I called him back the next day and told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> After careful thought, yeah. Well, I, I do understand. I, I understand, like, like most, like most Liverpool fans should, and and, and those who, who just just love football, that they should understand. But it, it's it's a much bigger machine. It's the industry that I've come from, is or well, the music industry I've come from, but also the world of newspapers and media. And you can you can uh, you can obliterate the parent company. Uh, but there are a lot of people. There are a lot of people who still work there because they need they need a job and they haven't got they they've got tenuous connections with it at best and it is a bit of a quandary because uh, you know we're, we're all against we're all against Rupert Murdoch we're all against uh, we're all against greed but I'm, I'm you know pound to penny that journalist in particular was was not unlike a daily daily mail or a daily mirror or a telegraph journalist but but he did do the right thing but sometimes it's you have to think about well, it well, think, well the question that I had to ask myself was if you know, if, if you've written a book that, that ultimately is a story of redemption, right? Yeah. It, you know, the message contained in that, forget everything else, is you can be an absolute, you're really in a bad way for a long time, but if you make, you know, if you get some help and, and, and persist, you know, if you keep trying and never give up and never walk and whatever, you can sort yourself out and you can have a life. That, that's, you know, that's the kind. And, and of course, you want as many people to hear that as possible. Exactly, exactly. It's, a, it's an outlet. Um, it's an outlet for the truth, and, and it's an outlet where you would ultimately yeah. you're missing an opportunity course, to, to help somebody. But, but my the decision that I made and the decision that I show as a result of performing the show is the fact that you know because not only did I tell him to go fuck himself, I said because the thing is, mate, you won't tell the truth, will you? <laughs> yeah. It's 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 not synonymous with your organisation. That's for sure. Yeah. So you know. So when I um when I perform the show in Liverpool and, and the end scene is me ringing the guy back and saying, "Fuck, yeah, fuck, so imagine." <laughs> yeah. It was it was probably one of the proudest moments of my life. I was in tears. Everyone was in tears. Well, that's that's key to the city material. It, that's that, that's a very salient point to end off with. To be honest, I. I uh, just, just still seeing pictures of of, of, uh, of you know Margaret Aspinall and, and everybody. You must know Becky Shaw from down there. A lot of people who who just just tirelessly, tirelessly fought. And, and a lot of people just look at numbers. It's twenty seven years. It's ninety six people. But if you're if if you are a Liverpool fan and you have a connection with the city, it's it's. A wonderful thing in terms of witnessing the power and spirit of, of, of the people. Uh, granted, it, it, it took an inordinate amount of time, and that's just yeah. that's just because of the system that yeah. we, we we have to operate exactly. within. Yeah, and exactly. I don't I don't think I don't think that would have happened if it was at Molyneux. I don't think that would have happened at St James's Park. Even though I you know I, I love the I love the Black Country. I love the Geordies. It's just something intrinsic about. Yeah. 
about Liverpool and, and, and there's a lot of uh, singular sentiment from Liverpool when it comes to to Brexit or or Bremen. It's a city of immigrants that, that has a, a very high level of tolerance unlike any other and it doesn't even resonate with the people of Liverpool, does it? Yeah, no, well, exactly. I, I think that that sense, you know, of, of we're going to do this for ourselves because no one's going to do it for us because the city was abandoned by a successive government, you know, it was just left to fucking rot, you know. There were Absolutely. Famously, there were, you know, government papers where they, they seriously considered literally just abandoning the city. That Thatcher's government, you know, they were just going to fucking uh, throw the key away. And, and I still get that sense, you know, you go along Dock Road and other parts of, 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 of Liverpool, and it's almost like, when you look at those old buildings and old warehouses, the tobacco, you know, all those places that are still there that haven't been regenerated, and it is like someone just put a padlock around the factory and walked away 50, 40, you know, years ago. It's true, it's true, there was a concerted, uh, a concerted Tory ploy to disenfranchise the North, and Liverpool being... Yeah, Leeds, Leeds, yeah, the whole of Yorkshire, all the, all the way, all the way up to all the way up to Hadrian's Wall. So, those those that uh, want to learn more, there's obviously a litany of information out there when it comes to uh, uh, the the Tory the Tory Grand Master Plan that harps back all the way to the seventies, and and uh, they almost got their wish. Uh, so, so I'm encouraging people who are listening to, to, to read more about it. Simon, Simon is, is very, very, very well tuned and understands implicitly all the, all the nuances that are social, cultural. Uh, and well, I'll tell you who nailed it for me, right? It, it, it simply, it was Paul DeNoyer wrote this marvellous book called Liverpool Wondrous Place. I don't know if you've read I've it. I've not read it. I'm writing that down. That's a fantastic book. It's, so it's about music scene in yeah. Liverpool. Know, sort of post-war, you know, that. Yeah. and there's a line in it he uses, and I'm not sure whether he claims it as his own or, or whatever, but he talks about Liverpool and musicians, and he said something along the lines of Liverpool, Scottish musicians or Liverpool musicians have this incredible ability of turning rage into beauty. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, as such, just, just as a postscript, because I know we're getting on a bit, I've... Um, I'm just about, next month I'm in the studio, I'm recording an album of my own music, which I haven't done before in my life. Um, it's come about as a result of, of being on tour with, with the Libertines and Pete Doherty and someone that saw me playing on the show for Peter. And That's wonderful. Said, and and, uh, do you, do you, uh, do you, are you going to have an array of uh, guest musicians and is that, is that all lined up? I am, yeah. We, we, we'll be spending some time in Liverpool at, at um, you, you're, you're all... studio. There and, and Mick's going to play on it. Oh, you're getting me excited. Oh, man alive. And, so, and, but the, the band is, is called the Hightown Pirates because Hightown, as you may or may not know, is a little district just up, up on Crosby Beach. That's right. Uh, so we are the Hightown Pirates. We are we're, we are a collective, much the same as Mick's Red Elastic Band is. Well, I was reading uh, about I was reading about it, but I didn't think it was going to come to fruition in terms of an actual record, which is brilliant. <laughs> It was a concept that Nick and I came up with a couple of years ago, where we we, um, we, we were sitting sitting off, as Nick would say, in this pub in in High Town, and, and he said something along, "This is like a proper pirates cafe, isn't it? Like the High Town Pirates." And he had this um, <laughs> and this game. Here's, here's, here's a game for, for for all your listeners, right? You know, how you play fantasy rock band where you are, like Keith Moon on drums and 
Steve Winwood on keys and all that. But you have to have fantasy pirate ship. Wow. Right? So so you have a captain, a first mate, someone in the crow's nest, a cook, <laughs> a cabin slash girl, um, and a another. Uh, and so you, you have your fantasy pirate ship. So um, so no, no Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. And then he was going to have his daughter Alice, and then he said, I can't have a boat because she just didn't too much weight. So, so that's it. if you have a board, you're on a long journey as in Kennedy, you might be. But have a game of fancy pirates. Well, as long as there's no semen stains in there, we'll be all right, yeah? That's a myth. Yeah, I know that's it's a myth, but it's, it's, it is a myth that's had a lot of momentum, isn't it? So anyway, the High Town Pirates are recording now. Well, I'm, I'm chuffed to hear it, as I'm sure as I'm sure millions of others will be as well. Just one last question, off the record. Well, about millions, I'd settle for ten. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm just thrilled for you. I'm, I'm thrilled for you as an individual to be able to do something like that. That's brilliant. I'm really chuffed for you. And um, just, just hypothetically, let's say you're around my place for for a, for a cuppa, and I, and I, and I uh, bring out the biscuit tin. What are you going to go for? And under under the supposition that I have every biscuit known to mankind at, at my disposal, what would you choose? Hello. Hey Simon, sorry, we had a power oh. cut. Oh wow, how exciting! We had just had a well, yeah, it was it was a whole five seconds. The only reason I know is because I could see my wife's face on the settee, and uh, the telly um, went off. I, 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 I hung up on me because I said chocolate hobnob. <laughs> <laughs> no, I took I took umbrage with your choice and just hung up. That's what I did. Oh, it was chocolate hobnob. Thank you so much. I just wanted to. I just wanted to thank you very much for your time, your candour. It's been immensely enjoyable, uh, and I, I wish you the very best. You, you, you're one of the good guys, and what you've done, uh, I don't even think that you quite realise what you've done. And over the years, it'll sink in deeper and deeper and deeper. You, you are going to ultimately help a lot of people and also make them smile at the same time. So for that, I'd like to thank you, and and, and I'd like to. I'd like, I'd like to ask you if you'd like to come back. Uh, in uh, in a while after you've after you've laid down those tracks with uh, with all your uh, muso chums, it'd be, be lovely to talk to you about the record. We'll, um, we'll 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 certainly talk to you about that. And, and just before I go, you know, I, I do need I just need to say this is that that everything I've done in my recovery has been with the help of a lot of people. Yes. You know, and if there was anyone who's going to hear this this interview, and we, you know, you have a, an addiction problem. You're not alone. You know what I mean. There are people that that can help, but you've got to go and, and ask for that help. You know, but nothing I've achieved has been a, a solo effort. You know, and I continue to sort of attend, you know, support groups, self help groups. You know, to this day, it's important to sort of state that. You know, that, that however incredible, for want of a better word, you might think my story is. I know thousands of people all over the world that have similar stories. You know, and um, you know, it's 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 a wee thing. You know what I mean, it's kind of we never walk alone, right? Absolutely, no. It's a very inclusive thing, and that's what you've managed to do. You, you've managed to deliver it as such, and, and that takes talent as well. So, thank you so much for thank sharing you. everything, Simon. And we'll be in touch very very soon. Look after yourself. Right, and um, High Town Pirates obviously have a Facebook page. So <laughs> I'm gonna. Well, I'm I'm gonna. I'll, I'll let all and sundry know. I'm gonna like it and uh, and do do it from my end. And I'll share everything, and I'll, and I'll drop you a line in a couple of days when the uh, when the podcast is up. Marvellous. All right, Darren, you have a pleasant evening. Cheers. Take care of yourself. Bye then.
Marvellous stuff, that. Thank you so much, Simon Mason. Top, top man. And I hope you lived and learned. And I hope you're going to buy his book as well. Uh, follow him at, uh, at his Twitter account. All the stuff is going to be uh, uh, in the footnotes of the uh, the blog uh, submission with all the tracks, etc., etc. And uh, here's another one. Uh, on a parting note, this is the last song of the show. Tira for now. Don't forget to email me at nearperfectpitch at... Uh, gmail.com and this is Flowered Up It's On
So, thanks for listening. <laughs>